Welcome to the Wednesday Word. Very excited to be here for our 14th episode uh, and also excited for first-time guests today, Pastor Larry Gerber and Jane. So nice to have you both here. And you have a history here um, at Desert Spring and with our conference. So can you share a little bit about that? Well, uh, first turned about Desert Springs when I was about to retire and I we had some children and grandchildren living here at the time, so I th- we thought we'd like to retire to Las Vegas. and uh, Certainly didn't want to uh, do any work for any church or anything. I was retiring. <laughs> so uh, we found this church, which was one of the liveliest and still is one of the liveliest churches in Las Vegas. Yeah. And so we decided to come here and become members. Uh, and uh, everything was going fine for, uh, I don't know, two or three months. And then all of a sudden, one Sunday, I came back from vacation and I was sitting down ready for church and Dave came out of the pulpit and he said, hey, welcome back. I, I, I need you to come to work for me. <laughs> well, when? Uh, tomorrow. <laughs> and then he made the announcement that his associate pastor was, uh-huh. was leaving. Yep. And so the next day I became part-time pastor in charge of uh, visitations mostly. Yes. And filling yes. in for Dave sometimes when he was gone. So, so wonderful. So we worked here for about three years. Yes. And... Uh, Really enjoyed it, and, and our, our grandchildren have all moved away except for two, yep. and uh, one daughter. So, uh, coming to be with family kind of petered out after petered out after a while. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, but we're here, and uh, about two and a half years ago, we decided to uh, try the small church, Advent Church, and uh, see if we could give them a boost. Yes, and, uh, I wasn't. I, I should say I wasn't needed here anymore. That's. Uh, no, That's not the way David needed. felt. But no, <laughs> not at all. Not at all. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, we ended up going down there, and Jane fell in love. It was the first Sunday of Advent uh, coming up three years ago. Wow. And Jane said, well, I like the small church atmosphere. Yes. And I yes. said, well, the small church could probably use us. Yep. So yep. there we are. Happy. And happy for my good friend, Pastor Eve, there. I'm sure she's happy to have you both there as well. Yeah. Thank you. So, Jane, you've traveled around a lot as the pastor's wife. Yes, I have. That's <laughs> That was something that I would never have chosen for my life. Uh-huh. I wanted to be in one place and stay there. Uh-huh. And uh, we had moved a lot when I was growing up, and I met this cute farm boy that lived next door. <laughs> little yeah. did you know. Little did I know. Uh. But, um, anyway, we were, he was going to be a farmer, but then he went away to college, and it all changed. And everything and changed. And it was good. Yeah. It yeah. is good. You guys have both been such a blessing. I, I first met... Pastor Larry doing camp, archaeology camp up at Potosi Pines many, many years ago. So, also we have our sound engineer, Chris Devereaux. Hello, hello. All right, <laughs> shout out to Chris. Um, and my name is Julie Hart. I'm director of Connectional Ministries here. So, uh, the format of our podcast is Pastor David writes, on Mondays he writes a devotional as a follow-up to his Sunday sermon. So, this week um, was the second week on forgiveness. And last week we talked about the little rocks and the medium-sized rocks, and this week is the big rocks, so I'm really glad that you're here (laughs) for this. So the format is we'll just read, and he asks questions, and we'll stop along the way and um, talk about it. If you were listening from wherever you are listening, we'd love to hear your comments, uh, answer the questions, or if you have other questions, uh, to hear from you as well. So we will begin. His devotional starts uh, with a scripture that comes from 2 Corinthians 5, verses 17 through 18. And it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. 
all that is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. All right, so today we will be talking about reconciliation. Pastor David says, During the past two weeks, I have been talking about the importance of forgiveness when it comes to the Christian life. Jesus teaches about the need of his followers to forgive, and he did so often. During last week's sermon, I talked about how God can take the worst things about your lives and turn them into something beautiful. His question, and we're going to start with you, Jane, is have you had that experience? Has there been a time when God took something painful about your life and brought from it a blessing, something beautiful? There have been many times like that, but the one that comes to my mind first is the most recent one. Um, my mom moved up here to live with us, and uh, but before she did that, she was living with my brother, and somehow thousands and thousands of dollars disappeared from, from her account, and she um, became penniless. But we knew that she had dementia beginning, but we mm -hmm. didn't realize how far it had gone, and right. it had changed her personality. Yeah. So there was this big division in our family, and mm. my little brother, who I had always loved so much, and uh, and I hurt for his his life and the choices that he had made, and uh, and the wives that he had chosen, which was part of that. It was like a downward spiral mm -hmm. starting when he was about twenty. And uh, so anyway, I had a very hard time with that, and it, it just ate me up, or was eating me up. Yeah. Then I, I was able to let go, and uh, I f forgave my brother, and my sister and I both had decided that we couldn't forgive our brother and we, our mother either, but we had to make that decision to do it because it was just making us sick. Mm. And um, so anyway. Wow, yeah. Forgave so my hard. brother. And then then he had reconciliation. I'm not sure if it really counts when since mom is not with it, but um, but I have a very close relationship with her now. Yeah. She sometimes doesn't remember who I am, but right. so I hard. I remember her. Uh -huh. And I remember the love that we had and I sometimes tell her a story, which she calls it, um, tell her that she was a good mom, and uh, she did have her moments, mm -hmm. but, um, but she was a good mother, and she loved us, and she always made time for us uh, to do fun things, and we had traditions, and, you know, the china on Sundays, and for holidays, and the just we always sat around the table for dinner of course people in the 50s always did <laughs> yeah <laughs> right right wow so but wow. now we're back to a loving relationship and back then she was um was concerned that i didn't love my brother and uh, and so she you know it was very it was strained relationship mm -hmm. but now i can tell her how much I love my brother, and yes, he, he will call you, Mom. I'm sure he'll call as soon as he can. Mm -hmm. And whatever I tell her, that's the truth. So I'm not sure about what I'm cheating, but mm -hmm. I have a great relationship with Mom now, and so my body feels whole again. Oh, that that's so good. That is such a great example, and that's a lot of people are going through that 
Mm-hmm. Same situation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Including me. <laughs> so, yeah, mm. I understand that. What about you, Pastor Larry? Well, I have a story that goes back about 40 years. Wow. Um, I grew up in New York State and uh, decided to go into ministry and had a church back there for six years. And I wanted to be an associate minister in charge of youth ministry. Mm-hmm. And my bishop back there said, Do we don't have any churches big enough to hire an associate minister in charge of youth ministry. Yeah. If I was you, I'd check in Arizona. Really? So uh, James folks at that time had moved to Arizona, so we went out there and started checking around. Okay. And they lived in Mesa. So we went to a church which was growing in Mesa and uh, just had a new sanctuary. In fact, I think the day we went was the day they dedicated the new sanctuary. And the minister fell in love with the pictures of our three girls, and uh, they were little girls at the time. <laughs> <laughs> so he said... Uh, I have an opening coming up for an associate minister. If you ever want to move out this way, oh I'd love to word. have you. Wow. Well, it's a long story, but uh, I went to, wrote a letter to the bishop when I got back home. And a bishop at that time lived in California, the larger conference. And uh, I was told that, first of all, he was a black minister, and he didn't like little white boys from New York. So you don't wow. stand a chance to come out here. Wow. I wrote him a letter, sent him a picture of our three daughters, <laughs> they are really cute. Icing on the cake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, I wrote him a letter, told him I'd like to be associate minister at that church. I know that I can't pick churches that I want, but and I know there's also a possibility of going to Hawaii. Uh, if that came up and God wanted me to, I would go to Hawaii. Well, he wrote the most beautiful letter back. He said, right now I have 600 churches, and I have more ministers than I know what to do with. Mm. You don't stand a chance of coming out here this year, but keep trying. Wow. Six months later, the district superintendent uh, in Arizona, in uh, the, the district that, that Mesa is in, um, said, I have a call from the bishop, and he would like to appoint you to Grace Church Mesa uh, in the first of July. And this was two weeks after we'd had our conference, and I'd gotten reappointed to church uh, back there. Right, right. And we had a good celebration the Sunday before about oh, how great no, it was to have no. you back. <laughs> the next Saturday, we packed and we were gone. <laughs> well, we had one more Sunday. And uh, so we had a farewell. Yeah, welcome, farewell. <laughs> and I remember so long, so many years, that people wrote to me and said, it feels like you died. You were here and you were gone. Oh. So fast forward, uh, I became the youth minister. And uh, youth was growing. is a fast-growing church on the edge of Mesa. Yeah. And... Uh, I don't know how many we had, but we had a uh, program every Wednesday night for youth from grade 7 through 12, yeah. and I developed it down through kindergarten through 12, oh, wow. and nothing was, everything was going great. And then the senior pastor uh, got valley fever. He ended up in the hospital. I forgot a week or so, but I had to report to him at 7 o'clock every morning for the, what I was to do that day. Uh-huh. And that, oh, it's okay. I'm the the youth pastor, I can do this. And I was going to preach for him while he was out. And, and do youth ministry and the children. Yeah, I okay. became yeah, the yeah. <laughs> senior pastor uh-huh. uh, in charge of everything, although oh. he wanted to make sure he was in charge, and I tried my best to make sure he was. Well, then he got out, and everything went along very well, and then it wasn't much longer. Uh, you don't get valley fever more than once, so they say. But he got valley fever a second time, got stung by uh, a oh. nest of bees. He was in a very critical condition. So I took over once again, and uh, he finally got over that, 
and got out, and he was a changed person. And he wrote to the DS, who was a good friend of his, of course, and he said, I don't know what's happened to Larry, but he's got to go. It's just overnight like that. Whoa. He wrote nasty letters to me, hateful letters. Oh. I, uh, I couldn't sleep at night. I just, oh. I went to the bishop. I didn't, I went to the DS and he said, don't you do this to my friend. I yeah. said, what did I do? He said, well, he's told me a lot of stuff that you're doing that you shouldn't be doing. So oh. I tried to talk to the senior pastor. He wouldn't listen to me. He told me yeah. my office was closed. Go sit home until the bishop reappoints me somewhere. And I said, the bishop has appointed me to this church. I have a key to my office until he just reappoints right. me. Right. And the bishop overruled the senior pastors. Yes, oh, that's, so that's not awkward at all. You can sit in that desk, <sighs> but you can't. Uh, you you will not have a phone. I sat in my desk without a phone, putting my time in for six months. Oh my word! And my hate for him grew and grew and grew. And uh, finally, the bishop said, "I have an appointment for you. It's at Trinity Church in Las Vegas." Ah, uh, yep. And I said, "Las Vegas." <laughs> That, that's in Nevada. He said, yeah, but it's not a conference. <laughs> yeah, it's a funny conference. So right? I said, I just didn't think I wanted to go to Las Vegas, Sin City and all of that stuff. Right, right. So, well, anyway, in January of 1982, we relocated to Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. uh, the church of about 900 members dropped to about 600 overnight. All the youth ministers, and the youth and the, the families all quit the church. The it's church you left, yeah. Scattered to other churches. Yeah. And that was painful. Something I had built for three and a half yep. years. Yep. Um, I tried to talk to senior pastor. No talk, no deal. No. So we came up here, and the following conference, we were still in California for our annual conference. And we hadn't talked to senior pastor in about a year. Uh, he was still at that church. You know, he was mm -hmm. going to stay there until he retired in two more years. Mm. So the church went down and basically never recovered. Yep. But that's another story. Yeah, but it happens. So I went to a conference, and I saw the senior pastor in that church, and I glowed with hatred. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden I said, I won't call his name, but I said, let's go to breakfast. Did you even know that was going to come out of your mouth? I, it just words came out, and I said, ah. I said and he said, oh, oh, you know, stammer and stammer, I guess I can. Right. We sat down to breakfast, and he looked at me straight in the eyes, and he said, what happened back then? Why did you leave? Whoa. And I said, you know, before the past is the past. Yeah. And uh, let's be friends and go forward. What happened, happened. Wow. No need to go back there. So he dropped it and I dropped it. Wow. And we didn't have much conversation for a while. And about a year or so later, um, oh, it was a little bit more than that, I guess. But anyway, uh, I got reappointed to uh, Glendale mm -hmm. First Church back in Arizona in 1980. 89, yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, we'd been there a year or so when he, either he called me, I called him and said, let's go to breakfast again and get reacquainted. And from that point on, we had a great relationship. Wow. I invited him to come over to help me to raise money for the church. Wow. Because he and a friend of his had an opportunity. And uh, we never discussed mm -hmm. the past again. Uh, I, we went to breakfast weekly, he and I, until he got sick, he couldn't go anymore. Wow. And uh, so we talked about forgiveness, reconciliation. Uh, it was there. Walk in the walk. It's a long time. I mean, I, I wanted to be a youth minister. That's why I came out to Arizona. Yeah. And my future was destroyed. Right. Then uh, what, 
what's beautiful comes out of this, I got a church, grew a youth ministry again, had the strongest youth ministry here in Las Vegas at that time. Yeah. Thanks to others who helped a lot, of course. Yes. Uh, and uh, wow. then I went on from there to uh, never became a youth minister again, always became a senior pastor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, wasn't anything wrong with that. It was just kind of mind-boggling. Youth ministry? Yeah. <laughs> it is I mean, a little mind-boggling. <laughs> every year the bishop said, you're not going to move this year, but if you were to move, what kind of church would you like? Uh-huh. And I said, any church under 600 members. So I went to 700, 1,200, <laughs> yeah, 1,600. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, and probably already ha- always had your hand in the youth ministry, right? Always oh, yeah. Had it. yeah. Until I got to the retirement churches. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. Sun Lakes of the retirement church, and so was Sun City West, and I missed the kids. Yeah, but, for sure. uh, Shout we out said, to anyone who wants to be a youth pastor because there aren't that many, especially like in our conference. I mean, you don't, it's not a, yeah. Yeah. That's a lot of times they, people think they have to serve their time as a, doing youth and then move up. And that's yeah. what you want to do. So Thanks. that's yeah. beautiful. And that's a beautiful story of yeah. so. you, you, how you really did walk the walk. So It wasn't my doing. It just happened. I know. God <laughs> I mean, is good. Yeah. You know, and I thought about this, something messy that, you know, something beautiful came. And I, I think... I don't think I've endured a single painful situation in my life without coming out a better human on the other side. And You know, I mean, I just think whatever it is, whether it's um, forgiveness or whatever mess that comes your way, you know, what do you say, Chris? Well, we were, you know, talking about it the last couple weeks, this is the third week now, uh, and both of us, you know, were like, oh, those boulders, they're coming Ah, up, you know? And so I did, you know, last time we talked, I was like, I don't know if I have any boulders. Yeah, you said that. Did you think about it? Well, obviously, yeah, Yeah, I've been thinking about it. And um, nothing that, you know, particular persons have wronged me or anything. Mm -hmm. But one thing that um, specifically for this question that kind of spurred it was, you know, I'm adopted. And uh, I was officially adopted in high school, but I came to live with Jerry and David when I was seven. Mm -hmm. And um, when you're adopted, it's kind of a... A brotherhood of if you will maybe that's not the right term for it but it's you know you kind of identify with other people who have been adopted mm-hmm. and so at the time you know when I was a kid at seven years old and I'm going to live with my aunt and uncle and don't really know them very much and mm-hmm. you know it's obviously a pretty traumatic thing as a kid um, but I didn't I didn't have any ill will towards my my birth mother or anything like that um, I, I actually think it was a great situation overall but what it did do was any any angst or any uh, feelings of negativity that I had towards it, you know, kind of gave me the ability to identify with other people who are adopted and, you know, kind of get their story mm. and be able to talk to people mm. and in a way that can connect yeah. that I wouldn't have otherwise. So true. Um, and so, you know, when it says, you know, is there a time when God took something painful about your life and brought it a blessing to something beautiful? You know, I think that that's definitely, mm. you know, even if I didn't think about it at the time. Yes. Um, that it's given me an ability to reach out to people who I wouldn't otherwise. That's such a, that is a very true point. That's a very true point. I thought when I had cancer, which was you know, many years ago, I was given the opportunity right, right away, like someone, a friend, three months after me was diagnosed with the same cancer, and then three months after that, someone else, and to be able to like, oh, I took impeccable notes, here's what's coming, here's what you need to ask, and here's, and to be able to walk them through that was, yeah. Just to be I able to be there right. for them. Yeah, that's great. Well, that's great. Um, so Pastor David goes on to say, often forgiveness is what sits between the worst things that have happened to us and God making something beautiful. 
something new. Forgiving people who have hurt us opens the door for God to work in our lives to bring healing. Think about a time when you forgave a person for hurting you. How do how the question is, and we'll start with you, Pastor Larry, how do you describe the changes forgiving others has brought about to your life? That's a tough one. It uh, is, yeah. I've been thinking and trying to think about times when somebody hurt me, um, what kind of changes came after that? I, I thought of a very painful situation back when uh, my brother was married and uh, living near the farm. I still was working on the farm back in New York, mm-hmm. and his seven-year-old son uh, drowned one day. Oh. And there was the week before Easter, oh. and oh. just the week before that, he was sitting between my knees, between my legs, in a tractor. I was teaching him how to drive, and he learned how to drive that tractor. He had such a great time. It's so beautiful. Mm. Then, about a week later, uh, he and a friend were playing next to the barge canal, which was right by their house. Mm. Uh, he was not supposed to go out there, but my brother had to work that day, and usually on a Saturday, uh, he would take his son with him. They hauled water to farms and different places they need water. And he said that day, he said, you can't go with me today, son. Stay home. So. His mother and a good friend were kind of having a tea party, uh, not paying attention to the kids. And all of a sudden, he slipped on loose gravel or something and went down into at the end of uh, where the lock was, so it was swirling water. It was cold in April. He had no chance of survival. And uh, so my brother came home a while after that, and he was coming over the bridge crossing the canal and all these fire trucks and ambulances were there. And mm. he said, oh no, some, somebody's kids, I'm sure somebody's kids. They got home to find out that it was his own. Oh, can uh, imagine. I did not forgive my sister-in-law for a long time mm-hmm. because, well, first of all, I was mad at my brother. Why didn't you take him? Yeah. And he was mad at himself. Of course. And guilt feelings. Uh, my sister-in-law was known to be lackadaisical and uh, have a good time with her friends, have coffee. and not pay much attention to kids. So we all jumped on her for not being a good mother and all that mm-hmm, stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we got through that with my hatred towards her. Uh, but then, I don't know, a little while later, I don't know how long it was, uh, recovery started a little bit and they had another child, which is, I've always said, you don't have another child to make up for the one you lost. Mm-hmm. It worked out pretty good. Uh, she worked out to be one of the best daughters they had, but uh, mm-hmm. then they took his insurance money. They had him insured, had life insurance, and instead of doing something for a memorial for him, they decided to buy two brand new snowmobiles. Oh no! And that hurt me. That, uh-huh. that spent that kind of money, but they were trying to reconcile between themselves and trying to go forward. Yeah. Well, of course. Shortly after that, probably a couple of years, they got a divorce. Mm-hmm. And I said, thank God they got divorced because they, they could never be reconciled. Couldn't get past that. Couldn't get past yeah. that. Wow. So I don't know if anything beautiful came out of that, but uh, wow. it was very painful for me. But then as time went on and my brother got remarried and uh, I kept, I guess, uh, I forgot how long ago it was, I don't know, but... Uh, two of their kids were married, and one of them had two children she wanted baptized. And, of course, they wanted 
Uncle Larry to come and do it. So yeah. I came back from Arizona oh, to do the baptism. And I guess that was the beautiful part of it is that uh, my sister-in-law showed up mm-hmm. and uh, I didn't know if I could face her. Yeah. Even this is many years later, sure. probably 10, 15 years later. Yeah. But uh, she hugged me and thanked me for coming and doing this. And from that point on, we became good friends. Wow. We still keep in touch. And mm-hmm. that was in 1972 or 70, somewhere around there. Wow. So it's a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, I, I think wow. about how old my nephew would be now and what he might be doing. Yeah. But uh, you have to get past that. You can't think of yep. what might have when it can't. Yeah. So. And, ima- and imagine they, is, as angry as you could be at them, they had to have been that angry at themselves. And, and yeah, wow, yeah. that's that's the most unthinkable thing for sure. Right? And then the final thing about that is uh, we had our 55th wedding, 55th wedding anniversary, five, no, 50th wedding anniversary five years ago. And uh, I invited her to come to her our mm. wedding. We, we were back to back in New York, the church we got married in. Oh. And she said, you inviting me? Yeah. I said, yeah, you took the pictures of our wedding. You you need to be there. Oh, that's uh, great. So that was the final seal yeah. of reconciliation. Very nice. Yeah. Oh, thank you for sharing that. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. What about you, Jane? Well, um, the first thing that came to my mind was, um, was a, a dear friend at one of Larry's first churches and uh, Rachel she and I were very close Larry was off at seminary during the week mm-hmm. and I was in this little town with uh, no car mm-hmm. <laughs> and two little kids and then three and uh, and she was a mother figure and she was a very generous giving lady and uh, the kids called her Aunt Rachel and, and uh, anyway just really close friends. Mm-hmm. And then something happened after a couple years, and I don't know, even remember, which is what happens a lot of times with this kind of, mm-hmm. uh, of friction. But anyway, there was something that we disagreed about in the church. Imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> that never happens. <laughs> never happens. Everybody agrees. Yeah. But um, there was something that that was really upsetting, and, and she just flew off the handle at me and and uh, we had a long phone conversation which was horrible and I didn't think I could ever speak to her again well then we did speak and we we sat down and we talked and apparently I had said something that that hurt her feelings without realizing it and that triggered the whole thing so I had to go back to being careful about what I say Mm -hmm. and think about people around you Mm-hmm. And we we moved shortly after that, but at least we had that we had rebuilt that bond of friendship and mm-hmm. kept in touch until she and her husband died. But uh, very special, very close feeling. I I do love small churches and mm-hmm. the family feel that you get in a small church, mm-hmm. even more than in a big church. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, but yeah, it was a a wonderful relationship. Mm-hmm. Well, and in a small church, you know, if there's a rift, that's That's very, you can really notice that you can't hide off or, you know, avoid each other very much in a small church. And a lot of people leave over, you know. Oh, definitely. Things like that. Definitely. But if you're a minister's wife, you can't do that. I know, (laughs) right? I know. You're there. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Membership has its privileges, right? (laughs) Yeah, you know, I was thinking about this. Before I came here, I worked for the county, and, um, an opportunity came up for promotion 
the director mm -hmm. came to me said we we want you to have this and and anyway I applied for it and I got the supervisor position and I had worked hard I I earned that I earned that but somebody who had been there longer much longer than I had who really wasn't that hard of a worker was very bitter that I had gotten it because she thought it should have been time served mm -hmm. she had time served and she filed for years and years grievances that went all the way um, mm -hmm past the agency like like a lot <laughs> and trash really talked a lot of trash about me for for a lot of years and undermined mm -hmm. uh and just was very um she had her posse that that would just glower you'd go to things and i it's i'm a people pleaser so it's hard to be like so where, how can you not even like me you don't even know me and so there was um she's just a very unkind and hurtful person and when i took the position to come here and the email went out that i was leaving she called me and I, I looked down, I saw her name on my phone. I'm like, what in the world? And I answered the phone and you know what? She apologized and she said, that wow. was wrong what I did. It wasn't your fault. You earned that job. You, you, you know, it's, I'm not even the one, someone else made the decision for me to get the job. And, you know, I thought that took a lot for her to, to do that. And she said, you know, I, I'm sorry I talked about you and I'm sorry I, and you know, it was like in an instant it was gone. I'm, mm. and, and that's, that was great. And so then I'm like, well, I'm never going to see these people anyway. I mean, not, I mean, I see several people from there. But then interestingly, um, with the camp, every, every year we go to the Children's Guild and we, we meet with them and they give us camp scholarships. And uh, Tracy, the camp director, uh, said, well, we're supposed to email this. And it was that same person. I'm like, well, it's a good thing we <laughs> worked that out because she was sort of like, I never thought I'd have to deal with her again. So I was glad that I could say, you know what, you're forgiven. And and mm -hmm. you know, not be bitter anymore. So. so, okay, he goes on to say, one definition for forgiveness is to give up on the hope of a different past in order to embrace a different future. And his question is, does this definition align with an experience of forgiveness in your life? And I, you know, I was thinking, I really like this definition. Um, I think because the life I live now has as much to do with the things that didn't happen as the things that did happen and usually the things that didn't happen are the ones you can you know hold on to and and um lament and be bitter about especially if it didn't happen because of another person but when time gets away from me i can usually look back and go whoo i dodged a bullet like <laughs> yeah. that was that is really good that that did not work out because of that person yeah. and you know it's it's Right. <laughs> For this one, I had, you know, I, have, I had a broken engagement. Yes. And, um, oh. you know, it definitely, I moved, I moved states basically because of it. I know. Uh, I, know. <laughs> I moved to Texas. You did. Um, but this definition was perfect for that, you yes. know, what, you know, uh, to give up a hope of a different past in order to embrace a different future. Mm -hmm. And it really is about, at least, you know, in this perspective, letting it go and not fomenting on, mm -hmm. you know, what could have been or what yes. should have been or what your plans were or, yes. you know. Um, and, and being able to kind of get over that too, because, uh, you won't be able to get to forgiveness if you still harbor, you know, resentment or, um, you know, want to get back at or, or mm -hmm. revenge for, mm -hmm. you know, any of those, uh, feelings. So, yeah. um, yeah, for me, it was like, oh yeah, definitely. This is, this is a great, uh, a definition. I liked the last, the last one as well, but this yeah. one is, yeah. Yeah. I think they speak to different situations and exactly. yours is a great situation. Cause look at you now, you right? know, when you're in the <laughs> right place with the right person and exactly. Yeah. So what about either of you thoughts on, 
Well, I just was thinking back to Stephen Ministry training, and we mm-hmm. talked about about forgiveness there. And it's like a gift to yourself when you forgive somebody mm-hmm. else. It doesn't really matter. Uh, they may not even remember something happened, mm-hmm. and and uh, just be going on with their life. But if if you have forgiven them, then it's okay to you, and you feel ready to go on into your future, like Chris just said, mm-hmm. and to move ahead and and continue building your life and working the potentials that God has for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I imagine you've walked a lot of people as a pastor through this <laughs> too, right? Pastor yeah. Mary? yeah. Um, I was thinking back, Morgan, to the story of the loss of my nephew. Yeah. Uh, uh, for years, in fact, even now, I still say, I wonder what he would be doing, what he would have done with his life. He was cut short at age seven. Mm. Then I think about the daughter that came along, his, his sister that came along a few years later, mm-hmm. and she's turned out to be one of the most beautiful. My, my brother had four girls, and they're all good. Uh, and they all looked at, through the divorce that happened. Uh, the, my brother got custody of the girls mm-hmm. uh, for various reasons. and. Uh, he brought those girls up, and I don't know how many times they have said he was like a mother to them. Mm. He raised them, and they're happy. Mm-hmm. But the youngest girl who came after the death of my nephew uh, probably turned out to be the happiest, and as, as far as I know, the only one that's uh, religious, uh, going mm-hmm. to church, and mm-hmm. does a good job. So I, I, I often wonder, wonder about the past, or what would have been, what could have been, what we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I said, that, you know, Maybe they wouldn't have had this fourth daughter. Maybe mm-hmm. we wouldn't have the blessings that she gives to mm-hmm. all of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but that leads on to, maybe this is a little bit off the track, but uh, as I listened to Pastor Dave's sermon and talked about forgiveness, I, I kept wanting him to say, how do you give somebody who blatantly killed somebody? Uh, I wrote you. Yes. He didn't th- deal with that. Maybe it's coming. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> yeah. it's a thought. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I said, yeah, I find it very hard to forgive somebody who willingly uh-huh. takes somebody else's life. Yes. And uh, yeah. Jane has a situation that, uh, if we can go to the, uh, yeah. she has a yeah. story. If she what wants happened to share, for you? you? What? Uncle Aunt Pat. Oh, I lost a cousin. Um, he was only 22 years old two years younger than me, so you know it's, it was a long time ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, very special young man. He was the oldest and his family. I was the oldest in my family. And he, you know, this was, was in the 60s, 70s, let's see. He died in 71, um, a drunk driver. Mm-hmm. He was hitchhiking home to visit his parents. Oh. And, uh, uniform on, Sally's uniform. Yeah. Oh wow. But he hadn't wanted to go in the service because he was against the war. <coughs> he really thought about going to Canada to uh-huh. escape it. And wow. Um, so he had been in the service for three years, I think, and uh, was doing well. And had his father and mother were so happy that he had served, and he was. Uh, his his father had was a veteran of World War II, so it meant so much to them. Mm-hmm. But the the man who killed him got uh, three months in jail 
How is that possible? And uh, and he had already served half of that time, I guess, by the time they got to the trial. Wow. But laws are, are tighter now with the DUIs, <coughs> but back then, it, it, not so much. And uh, my aunt and uncle lived with that pain oh. their whole lives, and they died fairly young. Not, I mean, I guess my uncle was was in his 80s. My aunt was not quite in her 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, she had cancer. He had dementia. The pain of losing a child is just almost... But they also forgave him. Well, Outwardly, anyway. Outwardly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the key word. Right. Uh-huh. But they said after several years after he died, I mean, they were so bitter, and I think that's what caused the cancer and the dementia is certainly a part of it. Yeah. But uh, somewhere about... 10, 15, 20 years later, they said outwardly they forgive him mm-hmm. for being so weak to be drunk and on uh, mm-hmm. medication and mm-hmm. and to do this to them. Yeah. But they, uh, anyway, that was a death that uh, shouldn't be is hard to deal with. Yes, it is. And it's hard mm-hmm. to forgive the person who wantonly yes. or irresponsibly takes another life. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, I would like somebody to answer that preach on that how put in a request right now (laughs) (laughs) dear pastor david we have bigger boulders (laughs) it's a mountain there we go we got a mountain yeah absolutely and especially when it comes to your child ah i don't know that would be hard to get there Uh yeah Yeah. well pastor david goes on to say near the end of last sunday's sermon i talked about reconciliation reconciliation is different from forgiveness To forgive someone takes one person, you. You can forgive someone at any time, in any place, and regardless of whether the person you forgive is aware of what you are doing. Forgiveness benefits the forgiver. It results in the pain of the past events no longer occupying a place in your life, no longer defining your life in any way. Reconciliation is different. Reconciliation takes two people, the person who was hurt and the person who did the hurting. It requires the person who did the hurting owning up to the impact of his or her words and actions so that change can become possible. And it requires the person who was hurt to be honest about the impact words and actions have had on his or her life. To forgive someone is to say, this thing that you did to me will no longer have power in my life, nor will it define my life in any way. To reconcile with another person is to say that the thing that happened between us will no longer define our relationship. We choose for our relationship to be defined by forgiveness and growth. He says, at the end of my sermon, I presented an image, and after forgiving someone who hurt us, it is as if we have two paths that present themselves. One path releases the person, and whatever relationship that could have been ends. The other path takes us to the work of reconciliation. I remember years ago, a friend and colleague of mine told lies about me, undermining my ministry to make himself look good. His words and actions hurt. I chose to forgive him, and I did. I carry no burden from that experience. However, when I tried to talk to my friend slash colleague, he refused to admit doing anything wrong, and then tried to turn other friends against me. With no willingness to acknowledge what he had done, reconciliation was not possible. While he remains a colleague, we are no longer friends. I forgave him, but I had no choice but to take the path of release, and the relationship as it once has been ended. And his question is, have you had this kind of experience? Have there been people 
who have you have forgiven, but whom you are unable to go down the path of reconciliation. My brother, my brother. Yes, <laughs> yes. I still feel a sense of loss there, um, because there's a distance between us now, um, emotional distance. Mm-hmm. But I can, I can talk to him now. I call him for my mom. I just did yesterday, so that she can talk with him. Mm-hmm. Um, always say love you, bye. Mm-hmm. But I hurt for him because I don't. I know that he doesn't have Christ in his heart, and mm-hmm. I know that when his life on earth ends, that's it. And uh, I'm really sorry for him mm-hmm. for that. Yeah. And reconciliation could still come. I mean, it's... it's <laughs> yes, it could. <laughs> the, the clock is winding down, I know. But mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. At least you got to forgiveness, though. Right, mm-hmm. yes. Mm-hmm. What about you, Larry? Well, again, going back to the time when the senior pastor said I had to go because of mm-hmm. what I was doing, and he is full of lies of things that happened. The whole church knew it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I forgave him later, as I said before, because I felt that he was a sick man, that uh, this valley fever had done something and changed him completely. Oh, okay. But beyond that, there's so many facets to any story. So the district superintendent, who was a good friend of his, about the same age as him, lived in Tucson, and we were in Mesa, so, you know, mm-hmm. two or three hours drives different. And he came up and got in my face one day, and he said, you leave my friend alone. Yeah. Don't do this to him. Well, over the years, I could forgive him, partly because he had a heart condition, and he was about ready to retire. Uh-huh. I didn't want to jump back at him and tell him. I mean, I tried to tell him that I didn't do anything wrong, uh-huh. uh, but without blaming the senior pastor, but he didn't want to listen to me. Right. So. At, some point forgiveness came mm-hmm. for him but no reconciliation never no took place yeah and rest mm-hmm. his soul he's mm-hmm. gone from us a long time ago now but uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I never i felt bitter for him at first but then mm-hmm. i forgave him because he lived a couple hours away from us mm-hmm. and he was not aware of what was happening he wouldn't listen to any of the mm-hmm. any of the people who got that you know this church got split his yeah. side my side right wow Kind of like the government is today. I know <laughs> so, it's ugly. It's yeah, ugly. it's ugly. It, can, it yeah. got really ugly, and yeah. you know, and overnight, six hundred people left that church. Wow. And I blame the DS more. The, yeah. He didn't understand what had been happening. Yeah. Uh, and so, he should have. And he should it have. It's his job to understand that. And then yeah. I became one, so I yeah. found out. <laughs> <laughs> That's just not right. <laughs> that is just not anyway, right. But that was yeah. a very, very long, painful situation yeah. that and never got reconciled. Yep. Yeah. I was thinking I had a coworker once, and, and during the time that we worked together, he was not his best self. He was going through a lot of things and had a lot of personal problems. And I was sort of, um, I think, always trying to, you know, protect him and support him. And, you know, because I, I, he had shared the, the struggles that he was having. I think I was his safe person. But it became very abusive. Um, you know, like the kick the dog, I was the dog. <clears throat> and... Um, I think for me, I was able to forgive him. Um, I, I think I took the treatment much longer than I should have because I was um, thinking, well, he can't really, like you said, you know, some of this is, but, but for me, the struggle was there's, n- there's not been any reconciliation. This is, you know, sometimes, so this it's, it probably wouldn't happen because he could only say he wasn't responsible for his, any of it. And so for me, I, ha- I struggle with, you know, nor has he tried to reconcile, but I struggle with people who cannot own up to at least their part 
of, of something. And so that makes reconciling hard. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Um, Pastor David goes on to say, I remember another time when a friend did something that was hurtful. I forgave the friend, but in this instance, I sat down with my friend, explained how her words and actions had impacted me. She had no idea how she had impacted me. She apologized, and we talked about how we could keep such things from happening between us in the future. What came out of our conversation was reconciliation for a friendship that was deeper and healthier than it had previously been. Forgiveness gave way to reconciliation and a good relationship that has endured. There is great power in reconciliation. It can transform lives. And so the last big ticket question here is, have you experienced reconciliation with another person, and how did that reconciliation happen? How did reconciliation change your relationship? I can no longer say reconciliation. I've said that so many times. It just sounds weird. (laughs) 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 Sorry. Uh, I would say yes, I have gone through okay. uh, reconciliation. I think it's easier the sooner you do it. Uh, I think yeah. it gets harder and more of a weight as yes. you w- as you wait. Yeah, <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, definitely. So, uh, my story goes back to 1962. Yeah, that's a minute ago. Dates me a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> my first year in college. So okay. I, I went away to college, and my mother and father had a lot of... Uh, foster children throughout the years. Mm-hmm. And maybe one lasts a week or two and they couldn't take it any longer. Mm-hmm. Others would last a year or two and they'd go on to somebody else. Wow. This one boy came to us at age 11, same age my wife was. Uh, he was a hard worker, do anything. He became like a brother to me. And I came home that first year from college and I had some about eight or nine silver dollars from the 1800s that my uncle had given to me for my birthday through the years since I was little. And they go missing. Oh. So his sister was living with us at the time, and she was, I didn't know at the time, but she was really close to being a monster, if you will. I gotcha. Uh, and I said, somebody stole my silver dollars. I want to know up front. I want to know now who did it. And they all denied it. My sisters, my brothers, the foster kids, they all denied it over and over. And I said, somebody stole it. I'm going to find out. And uh, the foster boy, took, he had long fingernails. He took both hands, started at this forehead and raked his face with his oh. fingernails all the way down and it started bleeding he said are you satisfied now <sighs> i said okay okay enough is enough i know that you didn't do it you are forgiven wow and you know that was uh, a very uh, and after that we became we never talked about it again the scars stayed on his face for a long long time oh my word but wow from that point on we trusted each other yeah and i don't know to this day where those dollars went. Wow. I assume his sister took them, but wow. I dropped it there. I said, wow. they're gone, they're gone. Right? Yeah, wow. So, yeah. Oh, that's hard. What about you, Jane? I lived next door to him, and uh, so I saw s- some of those foster kids and what his family did with them, and uh, some of them had some real serious issues, mm-hmm. and uh, that young man that he was talking about, um, his mother had committed suicide and he found her um, when he was four years old. Oh, that's how he ended up, yeah, okay. Yeah, so he was really, really disturbed. Um, But I I think I answered this question Mm -hmm. earlier with my friend Rachel. Yes. We were were able to be close again and uh, and they were like family, mm-hmm. you know, th- 
the kids saw them as another set of grandparents, yeah. which is yeah. very nice. Yeah. Well, this question, um, in fact, before I, we came to record, I went and talked to Pastor David because I said, well, I read this question last night because he sends a devotional. And I said, you know, the first situation that popped into my head is probably the most powerful reconciliation story in my life. But I, I wanted to, to talk to him first to say, is this okay to share? And, um, and actually, my, my story is with Pastor David. I worked for him 20 years ago with him at University Church at kind of a magical time. Things were... I did children and youth. We had sidewalk Sunday school. He was like, he was a ministry machine. He was a madman. He, he, we did a lot. We had a very dynamic staff and it was, it was just like the best time. Um, and God was really moving there. And then something very tragic happened in my life and it happened on that campus. And, um, it wasn't my fault. It wasn't his fault. Um, but at the time I was so crushed by things that were said and not said Mm. and as a result I left I left my job I left the church Um, it was a very difficult I loved my job I I did youth ministry so you know that that brought about a lot of pain too in leaving that Um, but um, so sometime later I would say maybe a year or two he he sent me a letter and I I I know his writing his very distinct writing I got the envelope like what could this possibly be and you know, it was a letter of apology. He asked if we could meet and sit down and talk, and um, we did. We did. We did sit down and talk about it, and, you know, um, I guess we both were able to share what was happening in our lives, and, and really what had happened was nothing that he had done. Or it, was, it was what other people had done mm-hmm. and, and how that kind of we got mixed up in all of that, and... Um, other people's words, other people's actions, and um, anyway, that was a long, that was many years ago, um, and I think about that now, if we had not had that, if he had not come, and he had not made the effort to um, reconcile that, then, I, you know, I wouldn't be here now, I wouldn't have come to work here, and now I, I love my life, I love my life here at the church, and I love working with him, and, and all that he does, and um, so, it's um, I s- other people. I've had friends from other churches that something happens and they're ready to leave. And I try to encourage them, you know, sit down and talk with your pastor. Sit down and talk about it because um, maybe you do need some time to kind of work through it. But, um, you know, this is your family. This is my family. And so I just will always be grateful for him for making that, making the move to reconciliation. And, and um, yeah, that's why we're all here today. Yeah, it, it, it is. And, and we, I think when you can be real and authentic with someone and be able to, you know, each come with your own forgiveness after there's been such a painful situation, I think that from that point forward, you, 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 can, you can come from a different place. So we grow together. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right. Um, so he goes on to say, St. Paul says that we who have been reconciled to God have been given the ministry of reconciliation. What does it mean to you to be given the ministry of reconciliation? I feel like it's all kind of come full circle. You yeah. Know, there's a couple things mentioned, you know, uh, Pastor, you mentioned that you thought that the illnesses, the cancer and the yeah. dementia might have, you know, reign or, or come from, uh, from this inability to, to forgive. Right. You know, we've already talked about this being important and this is why it's in the 
the sermon series that it is, the prescription of how to have a healthy life, right? We've mm-hmm. talked about the stresses and how it can actually physically impact your body. Totally, yeah. And I think that, you know, you brought up the, the, the next sermon of, of even the, big, the biggest boulders, right? But I don't think those are coming. Uh, you know, I think that's the, that's the call of forgiveness. That's the call of reconciliation. That's why, yeah. as Christians, it's hard. You know, we've chosen this life. We've chosen this path. And it's the onus is on us uh, to forgive and and to put those um, those opportunities to reconcile in front of ourselves. Right. So mm-hmm. I, yeah, I think all of it's kind of full full circle. You, I love how you say the opportunities to reconcile because Pastor David says it does take two people. Well, and I, and it takes two people, but not you. Yeah. The forgiveness takes you. Yeah. And so you can only control the forgiveness. Yes. And you true. can't control the reconciliation. Yes. But you can have the opportunity, you know, and put, put those opportunities yeah, out. Yeah, that's well, a great, yeah. great way to put it. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what it means to me. I all those in favor. <laughs> all right, we all right. We say aye. Good job. Yeah. 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 This has been um yeah, a fascinating series. Um so Pastor David says, he says this, we are ambassadors for Christ Jesus. We represent the one whose sacrifice brings forgiveness and opens the door for reconciliation. Thanks be to God and God bless you. Amen. So, yeah. Yeah, I really appreciate your insight, Larry and Jane and, and Chris. Um, I think, I was, I'm not gonna lie, I was dreading this week. I'm like, oh, it's the boulders, why? Right. <laughs> how, how did, we signed up to be hosts before we, I, I guess I didn't read ahead, I don't know what happened. <laughs> I was like, oh no. Um, but I think they're beautiful examples here and I think um, real examples. And, and I think the fact that a lot of this hard work happens in our families, mm-hmm. in our church, in our, mm-hmm. you know, in our workplaces where we spend a lot of our time. Yeah. And, and if, if it's happening where we spend a lot of time to do, to do the work is a good investment, you know, for forgiveness and working towards reconciliation. Absolutely. So wonderful. Well, um, I do not know what's up next week, but uh, this was episode 14. Thank you again to Pastor Larry and Jane, and thank you, Chris. And Pastor, would you be willing to close us in prayer? I put him on the spot, but he's a pastor, so. <laughs> <laughs> we pause, Lord, to give you thanks for so many blessings in our lives that we take for granted. In so many difficult situations that we choose not to deal with, but to gloss over them. We thank you for the church that gives us that opportunity to forgive others and to move on to the more beautiful things in life. So many situations are so hard to deal with, but unless we deal with them, they will bury us. Allow us to rise above the difficulties, things of life, deal with them as they come our way and then go on to the better things of life. We thank you for this church. We thank you for this ministry. There's so many people touching so many lives. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for the life you give us. We give this prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you so much again. Thank you.